work with what's called the, the B3 way of coaching. Okay. It's something I created. The B3, one, the first one stands for become. Okay. So attitude's a big part of it. So to me, I'm like, well, how does the caterpillar become the butterfly? Sure, well, sure. When, he, when the caterpillar asks the butterfly, the butterfly says, you have to want to fly so badly. You're willing to give up being a caterpillar. That's the become. It's letting go. It's working past your your what I would call your comfort zone because that's where all the amazing things happen. But people need to be connected to a why. Why am I doing this? Not to get in the bathing suit, no. but right. Yeah. But they do it right, and then no. then it comes right back on. Yeah. They have to be connected to a why. everybody welcome back to another episode of it is what it is podcast i'm your host coach Kelly Lewis. i am super excited about this episode because we're going to get into some real cool stuff we have an amazing author and talk about his new book but before that if you want to keep seeing amazing content you know what you gotta do you gotta subscribe to the youtube channel at youtube at cv that is cody vernon space k cv space k follow me on instagram at cvmk33 hey go to the website for the best Fitness supplements are. I got one with me today. Superpower, you know this is all in the market. www.cvmkglobal.store. Everything is CVMK Global. Except TikTok, they wouldn't let me put global. They only let me put globe. So CVMK Globe. Uh, but where we are, please connect with us. Download, listen, share, like. With that being said, I have Evan Messman here. We're going to talk about his new book. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so grateful for having you invite me to this podcast. So thank you. No, no problem. It is my honor. Uh, so like with any author, I always ask uh, the first question is why, right? Like, you know, I, I, I would never like to assume that, you know, I was just, you know, stranded on an island with me and a beach volleyball and this came to my mind, right? Like, why did you write the book? <laughs> and And that's a great question because... It literally, it was an organic process. Initially, I had written a book because back when I went to school, I, I got my master's in clinical nutrition, um, but I was my first client. I was heavy, heavy, and I, I got bullied as a kid, and I found a way to lose the weight the way I would look at it as one choice at a time. It was through habits, changing habits. I literally found a pamphlet from the American Heart Association and it said 50 ways to lose your blubber. And back then that was when Paul Simon's song was big, 50 ways to lose your love, lose your lover. But it was awakening. It wasn't a diet. It wasn't a crazy exercise program. It was 50 different behavior modification techniques. And I started doing a few and I started seeing results and it did more and more. And then my mom said, oh, you know, I should be doing that. I was a teenager and I lost 50 pounds, transformed my life. But I didn't know I wanted to be a nutritionist till I was a senior in college. And getting to the point of why I wrote the book, I still didn't understand then what it was that helps people change for good, right? It's not about going on a diet. It's not about being a nutritionist. Nutritionist is a scientist, right? So 
I went and I learned as much as I could about pathophysiology, biochemistry, and, and also chemistry and nutrition. But I still felt after getting a master's, being a registered dietitian, being a diabetes educator, that he only had a few pieces of the puzzle. So I kept searching and searching and learning and learning. A lot of it has to do with attitude. So I started to build my process and I said, you know, I need to share this because it's unique. Nobody else out there is doing it. So I think part of it was organically just for myself needing to know why, how did I help myself and how can I help more people? Sure. So, so from your own personal experience, and you talked about, you know, uh, becoming a uh, nutritionist, you talked about the educational attainment. Is there, so <laughs> the, the disconnect, because obviously um, nutritionists are needed and it's a word that is heard, but I guess like for whatever reason, I, I call it the hierarchy of medicine, right? Like if you are a doctor, you know, you become like um, a titan <laughs> or something like you're this heralded figure, right? And, but there's so many different levels of support to this position and this position only encompasses a specific niche uh, that kind of get overshadowed, right? Like a doctor usually is not a nutritionist. They're not going to talk to you about, you know, macros and micros and things of that nature. So the nutritionist kind of falls into this subculture, subset of values, right? Subgrouping, you know, that really aligns with like a personal trainer. So now as yeah. a speaker, I, I would challenge you on that. So here's, okay. you're, you're absolutely right. There's like a nutritionist, anyone can define it. There is no definition for a nutritionist. Gotcha. So anybody can be a nutritionist, which is why when I went to school, I decided to follow the, what I would call traditional route, the orthodox route of going and learning the science behind it. And I even became a professor. I was an adjunct professor for 10 years working at local colleges on the, I was teaching the nutrition and nutrition and performance and nutrition and disease so that I, when you learn it and that's great, but when you have to teach it, you, you learn it on a whole new level. But even with that, being a registered dietitian, you need to spend a certain amount of time in school and to get a degree, then you need to spend a certain number of hours. It's 900 hours doing not just, you know, one thing, but you've got to work like a residency program for a surgeon or a doctor or you know an internist or a, it's an, a tremendous amount of work. And then you have to pass a very rigorous exam and maintain that credential. Now, besides being that, I'm also a certified dietitian nutritionist. Being a certified diabetes educator, I did that for 15 years, went through the certification process, but I'm diabetes educator, but certification requires also education. It is probably the most underrated um, profession. People under don't understand yeah. what a nutritionist or dietitian is. So um, it's a good point. I, that's why I went into coaching because I don't actually play that role as a, uh, when I work with my clients, I want to be more of their Sherpa. I want to take them up that mountain and I want to, I want to be their navigator. Now, nutritionists can do this, but a lot of nutritionists that work, they'll work in critical care. So they help critical patients that are critically ill be able to survive. 
And I used to do that also. I did that. I was a certified nutrition support dietitian for five years. And that was fascinating to learn that so you can understand how the body works on a high metabolic level. But then I was really fascinated by chronic illness like diabetes, heart disease. I did my master's thesis in cardiac rehab. And then having the that opportunity to become a diabetes educator to understand the chronic disease of diabetes and all the other um, things that it, that comes along with it. But then I worked across the street. When I was in the hospital, there was a health club across the street. And while I was going to school, I was a personal trainer, certified, and I was also a manager in a health club while I was going to school because I wanted to, I, I, I had something that I loved doing. And across the street, I went to the um, gym and I said, instead of paying for a membership, because I had been a manager, you don't pay for a membership when you're a manager in a health club or a personal trainer. This was the first time working full-time in a hospital. I'm like, oh, I got to pay for membership. I, as I went around the club and did an inter, uh, uh, a tour, I asked the manager, happy the manager that was taking me around. And I said, you know, you have this room upstairs and it, it's not, it's not really being used for anything. There's a lot of boxes up there. If you clear that out, I could use that as an office and every one of your clients or your, your new members, I'm going to give them a free nutrition consult. That was the beginning of my entrepreneurism as a nutritionist in a health club. And there's a fascinating component besides critical illness and then chronic illness to look at what about wellness? It's not just enough to survive. What about thriving and flourishing? Right. And that's really where the habits of healthy eating because people are so focused on taking a supplement or going on a special diet and they, they forget about there are basic principles that exist. And if you base your habits on those principles, you're going to succeed. You're going to see results regardless. There's lots of roads that lead to Rome. So it's not like we have to do it this one way. And everybody's a little different, but we're all built the same, right? So that was really where, to, to me, I find that people get lost with so many different programs and so many different diets that are out there. I'm like, why not get back to the basics? Why not? Because there are nobody knows what the basics are. That's the problem. I want to tackle that. I want to tackle the basics. But first, a word from our sponsors, and then I will tackle the question on the basics. There's a hero in all of us waiting to be unleashed. All it takes is just that one last push. Activate the hero within with CBMK Global Supplements. All natural, steroid-free, designed to enhance performance, build muscle, and increase energy. You are unstoppable. You can do this. Become your own hero at www.cbmkglobal.store. Awesome, man. We're back. Look, you wrote, this is a very interesting quote, and I've been thinking about this when I came across it, and I've been, this kind of stood out to me. You know, every, when you skim through, I, I call it, you get the, the college uh, eye, and basically you have to read, you know, all the best authors in the world in a six-week time. So, so a lot of your reading is basically, you know, pinpointing words, you know, things that kind of pop up. You said eating has become a recreational sport in America. You can always find an excuse to eat popcorn and candy at the movies, going to dinner with friends, indulging at a wedding smorgasbord, grieving with a loved ones over cake and coffee at a funeral. And even while you're reading this book, food should be enjoyed. That's why 
we have taste buds with Americans don't always think about the consequences of their eating habits. I agree. Here's my pushback, though, because it's, I think, perspective. I, I do agree that if there is a culture that abuses food, it's the American culture because we make food sexy. We make food entertaining. We have food contests. You go on Netflix, there's a new food uh, show that pops up every Netflix episode. Nailed it. You know, you know, cupcakes. I mean, like we make it a whole Olympic <laughs> event. So Here we do. That. But I also think that the complexity with the American diet has to be, I think the foundation of it is really economics, right? Like the reason that you have to me extremes, so you have the food is everything, food solves all, but it's the quality of food, what we're putting into our body. Films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, and I, I tell anybody, I'm not a nutritionist. I don't, I don't know. Um, I did write a paper one time in college because that's what they make you do is they write and somehow they gauge intelligence off your ability to comprehend a sentence. So I wrote a paper <laughs> on the color of obesity. And I said, if you examine, you know, BMI patterns, it is more related to poverty. I would and not that wealthier individuals don't have uh, uh, eating challenges or improper diets or abused foods. But if you look at the largest sample size, I would say that really a sign of obesity is tied to economics. What are your thoughts on that? And that we could talk the whole session about that. So part of the problem is there are deserts out Mm -hmm. there in impoverished areas Mm -hmm. where people who live where they're the working class they don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. The convenience foods, I mean, think about it. A, a gasoline of, I mean, a, a gallon of gasoline is not that much money, right? But you then go buy like chicken and chicken for a family of five would cost more than putting a gallon of gasoline in your in your uh, car. It it's just doesn't make sense that we don't have access to healthy food. But people though that are, in those deserts, they're also not educated. Mm. I'll give you an example of what I use for when I, I try to teach this paradigm. When you, we are the only animal, only organism in the world that goes on a diet. Yes. There's a reason for that because there's so much processed foods. And when you look back at when we started to increase in obesity and heart disease, diabetes was back in in, in back in the 1900s, in the middle of the century, because there was recommendations that cholesterol was the culprit, that fat and saturated fat was the culprit. Now, it's a piece of the puzzle, but it is so much more complicated than that. But because that information came out, the guidelines ended up saying, let's produce lower fat foods. And the lower fat foods, because of the food industry wants to make money, weren't just saying let's eat up an apple right. or a banana because there's no fat in those or virtually none. No, let's make a fat-free something that's loaded with sugar and loaded with ingredients you cannot pronounce. That's what I call low quality calorie foods. Now that's a basic principle. The more quality that you eat of food, mm-hmm. the healthier you're gonna be. Mm-hmm. So I, the first thing I teach all of my clients, whether they're six or 90, 
which I've had six-year-olds as I've had 90-year-olds, is to eat more quality calories. Now, what's a quality calorie? It's a food that has the most nutrition with the least amount of calories. It's just nutrient density, but it's just a sexy way of saying it, right? It's just, it makes it a little more accessible. Same thing back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, they started then, well, how are we going to teach people? They created this food pyramid. Remember the food pyramid? I remember. Nobody eats from a pyramid. Do you put a pyramid on your plate? No, they eat from a plate. So I designed something called round your plate back in the 90s. And now that's part of the USDA. They use that. Now, I don't know if they're using mine, but I had a lot of students that went through my program through being a preceptor for many schools for 10 years mm-hmm. and taught them this rounding the plate. And it's in here. But the idea is that people eat from a plate. But in these food deserts where people are exposed to these, and it could be like these small little stores that don't have the fruits and vegetables, they're grabbing a bag of potato chips. They're grabbing the hot dogs. They're grabbing the um, highly processed foods. It's a matter of changing food industry, but also to me, food industry is not going to change unless the demand increases. How many more people are demanding Hmm. organic now? Nobody, everyone said, oh, and it's never going to be big. It's never going to work. But there is, there are so many more people who are now buying organic. And now you have Amazon purchasing Whole Foods and pushing that. But when we, like, we started to keto was the, 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 the rave, right? Or paleo. Now we used to be a great uh, program for people because back when it first came out, I don't know what, five years ago, um, there was no products out there from, from any kind of industry. But now you see keto everywhere you go, any supermarket, right? Keto, this, they're all processed. So yeah. they're not quality calories. So people are going to end up finding that even the keto diet, because of the quality of the calorie, they're going to start seeing the weight gain again. They're going to start seeing the health problems. So we need to get back to the basics. You ever see a bird so fat he can't fly? Yeah, Chicago. I see them all the time. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. They, they can fly. They might be a little big, the pigeons, but they can yeah, fly. Yeah, pigeons. Squirrel, so fat he can't put his claws around a tree trunk. They they might, like, delve into the garbage, but they're eating, yeah. uh, they're eating food that's out in nature. It's designed by nature. And the right. studies that have been done, they look at the standard American diet. Yeah. What's the acronym for that? S-A-D. Sad. It's a yeah. sad diet. The standard American diet is literally more than 50% fat and sugar. Fat and sugar, right? Wasted, empty calories. Now, fats can be good, but most fats that people are eating are either extremely polyunsaturated, highly processed, and also can damage the immune system. There are ways of eating, though, where if you focus on the studies that have been done, yep. use more what I call Evo, extra virgin olive oil. Mm-hmm. People don't even know that in the inner city or they'll buy the light olive oil thinking it's the same thing, but it's highly processed. So you're getting the same kind of problem. The bird doesn't go, oh, I can't eat those sunflower seeds. They're too high in fat. Ooh, and the squirrel doesn't go, I can't eat those chestnuts for too high in carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. It's about balance. It's about allowing and learning how to make all foods fit. But there are people who are more sensitive to carbs, like myself. I come from a family of diabetic patients. My mom and dad are both have diabetes. Their grandparents had diabetes. I would have diabetes, like my brother does, 
who's only four years older than me, if I hadn't at 11 years old, look at everybody in my family and go, they're all going down the wrong path. Yeah. What's up? I'm super pumped. Just got done with another workout. It's your boy, CMK33, connect on Instagram. And on the business page, CMK underscore global. You know how I get through it. You know how I get that pump look. <laughs> Best pre-workout on the market. www.cmkglobal.store. I got to take care of myself. And I made the decision to, to turn heavy, heavy into who I am now. Mm. People need to start thinking it's about one choice at a time. Hmm. Just it's about healthy thinking, eating and living. It is not going on a diet. It's not a special crazy exercise program, but it's the commitment to the yeah. exercise the way you do, right? You're committed to exercise. How many times a week do you train? Five. And what, why don't you train seven? Uh, my body can't take it. <laughs> exactly. That's a basic principle. You're giving your body rest. Why? Right. It's rebuilding. Right. Okay. Do you do you do anything with, when it comes to fasting? Do you do intermittent fasting? Yeah. Wednesdays, I I fast. Yeah, of course. Why? Well, I mean, for me, it, it was the spiritual understanding of it. But then when I started to research the, I think, the physiological benefits, it just connects. But yeah, I mean, Wednesdays, I go... 12, 16 hours, nothing but water. <laughs> you know, like, See, now I do that daily. I, ha- okay. I have, there is so much great scientific proof now that intermittent fasting, and it's usually a 16-8, yep. will give a huge benefit, not just for clarity, get rid of brain fog, yeah. or energy, but it's also giving your body a chance to recover from the stress and the eating that we typically have in the United States, it gives your body a chance to clean out. It's called autophagy, that auto and phagocytosis. It's like the byproducts of all metabolism during the day. You need, that's why we sleep. Sleep, we're cleaning, we're taking all the garbage out, you know? And the, the next day you eat, you're bringing the groceries in, and then when you sleep, you're taking the garbage out. So part of this is it's not just about weight loss. It's about also longevity. The studies that they showed where they gave mice, they only have a little over two year lifespan, but they gave mice a chance to eat whenever they wanted to, same diet, and they gave another group just one hour window of eating. One hour. They could eat as much as they wanted, but just that one hour of eating. They found that the mice that were eating just in the one hour had 30 to 40% longer lifespan. Now, when they went and they, they took their lifespans, they, they started doing the intermittent fasting, that, that one-hour window. When they were older, it applied even more so. So it doesn't mean you like, oh, I haven't done it all my life. It won't benefit. They're, and, they, you know, and they're animals. We cannot infer that on people. But right. there are lots of great studies going on today. And I have had incredible success with my clients in implementing these basic principles. And that's just a, a small piece of it. What I do is I work with what's called the, the B3 way of coaching. Okay. It's something I created. The B3, the first one stands for become. Okay. So attitude's a big part of it. So to me, I'm like, well, how does the caterpillar become the butterfly? Sure, well, sure. When, he, when the caterpillar asks the butterfly, the butterfly says, you have to want to fly so badly. You're willing to give up being a caterpillar. That's the become. It's letting go. It's working past your 
your what I would call your comfort zone, because that's where all the amazing things happen. But people need to be connected to a why. Why am I doing this? Not to get in the bathing suit, no. but right. Yeah. But they do it right, and then yeah. and then it comes right back on. Yeah. They have to be connected to a why, and then the become then become the second B is be strong. Well, Carol Dweck did lots of studies on growth mindset. Growth mindset is an incredible component of attitude that's so important to to seeing change. So I work on grit, resilience. And then with the third, the third one is be be grateful. Gratitude changes everything. It gets people focused in the precious present. And instead of being regretful of the past or being fearful of of the future, you cannot occupy the same space in your brain. Your brain can only be regretful or fearful or gra- grateful. So why not be grateful? It's true. I I like it. Totally agree. I have nothing to disagree as I'm, I'm skimming through the, the book. My, and I think this is where, to me, right? I see the biggest challenge with individuals. Uh, and I brought up the economic thing. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing is the attitude. I think there isn't enough value or or belief that longevity should be the focus, right? So what I mean by this, because we get caught up in just life, right and taking care and got to meet the bills and do all this so we'll take the sacrifice uh you know we'll you know the 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 single mom will work the two jobs you know to to put food on the table neglect you know the need for uh optimal nutrition neglect all these other things that are going to produce this higher quality of life for these temporal gains um and for me, I think the, the hardest thing to convey is that A, they matter, you matter, mm-hmm. but B, that there's actually a system out there that will allow people to thrive. Um, and this is what I really wanted to get to in my, in my question. Last question. I, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't, I, I think that's paranoia, but I do think. <laughs> I do think there isn't enough focus. Like, like Evan, you have all this experience, the education, you worked in this clinic, you've done this, this, and this. But yet medicine or, you know, the big pharmaceutical companies, they have their, you know, their armory, you know, and then they don't talk unless it's absolutely critical, unless that person is at the last stage. And then you have a federal system that, you know, doesn't understand, okay, great, you know, human beings need this, you know, they need time to actually recover. Like, I would like to say, uh, you know, this is just me thinking out loud, you know, I I, I have these these same kind of questions that I've asked, but I will tell you, I will challenge your paradigm Yeah, that, and I used to feel similarly, and that's why I've always been searching for the truth. I mean, I felt like I had pieces of the puzzle, a few. Sure. And I feel like I have a lot more pieces now than I did 30 years ago, yeah. but there's millions of pieces out there, but here's what's wonderful. Okay. Social media has made the world smaller. 
That's true. And now instead of waiting That's true. for studies to come out, which it used to be, let's say before COVID, even before, like I'd say it's happened in the last five to 10 years, yeah. things have completely changed. Where now the scientists like Andrew Huberman, okay, are taking the science to the people. They're bypassing. Now they're still publishing, but think about how long it took to publish. Mm-hmm. And it would take a few years to get the data and then you'd have to get it, you know, um, approved. And they're being very responsible. There are lots of people that are not being responsible. But what I love about people like um, Dan Huberman and David Eagleman is that they're taking this information, bringing it to us in podcasts or on YouTube. The Huberman Lab is just an amazing podcast. Mm-hmm. He interviews other thought leaders and scientists, and he's bringing his research to the people. This is something that's never happened before. So for you, I want you to, to open up that po- the possibilities there that the answers are out there. We just have to find them. And ever since COVID, because I've had that time to do this, I am learning more than I ever learned in the last 30 years, just in the last two years. Hmm. Amazing. Filling in all the spaces and holes because I spent 20 years in corporate America and I came back to doing what I love because COVID gave me that opportunity. So it's a blessing for me. But I thought things would have changed. But what happened 20 years ago when I created the Attitude Muscle and I was working with um, the what I call the 4-2 rule and I was working with all these other components and quality calories all, all that's happened is, and meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's lots of research to support it. Whereas back mm-hmm. then it was more theoretical. So just there's so much information that's out there, but the basic principles are what really will drive really the decisions of, of I mean, there's no huge paradigm that's going to change in nutrition. What's, what's going to change is we are going to stop listening to food manufacturers. We're going to stop listening to establishments. I'll be very politically correct to say establishments. I get you. <laughs> I get you. And we'll start using our own minds yeah. to say, well, does this work or doesn't it work? That's why my program doesn't matter what pr- diet you're on or how you want to eat. I have many roads lead to Rome. So I have people that come mm-hmm. to me from that have diabetes, heart disease, tremendous weight loss. Some people who have been to doctors and said, if you don't go see Evan, you're going to die. And they mm-hmm. had like, they were over 500 pounds. They could not even weigh themselves. They were so heavy. And we got them to near normal weight, but it wasn't so much the weight. It was that I had a travel agent and she just wanted to travel again. She wanted to be able to fit in a car. Do you know how amazing it is when a person can sit behind the wheel of a car that she and she bought a new car when she hit that goal weight and she could yeah. fit? And then she could go back on an airplane, not needing an extra seat in order right. to fit. Right. There are so many things we take for granted. I mean, you work out in a gym, right? Yeah. How many people that walk into that gym are so self-conscious about how they're working out, what they look like? We take it for granted. It's this way, it's really attitude plays such a huge role in whether people are successful or not. That's why it's so important to have a coach because a coach is going to get you there faster. If you have a weed in a garden, I'm a a gardener. I love to to garden. I use a lot of gardening analogies. You can pull the weed out with your hand, but sometimes what will happen most times is you won't get the root and it'll just grow back and probably bigger and worse. 
But at least you pulled the weed out. But if you use a tool, you can get to the root and you can pull it out and it's not going to come back. That's really what people have to work on is to understand that in eating, eating is a symptom that it, disordered eating or overeating or having these chronic diseases or not being able to exercise or manage any of these. It's a symptom of an underlying issue, which is what I love to work with people on to say, listen, it's just one choice at a time. How hard can it be one choice at a time? That's it. One choice at a time. Look, I love it. I want to appreciate my guests. Evan, where can they connect me? Where can they buy the book? Where can they support you, follow you, and just, you know, get all that good stuff? Well, I am for, for the first 30 of your readers, I'm going to give you a link um, hey. and we can put it in there where they can get the first chapter at no charge. They can get it on Amazon. Just put my name, Evan Mestman. You can see it at the bottom of the screen there. Evan Mestman and on Amazon and it will come up the habits of healthy eating. Um, and they can find me on my website at pro attitudes. One word. You can see it also there. Yeah. Proattitudes.com. I have two Facebook groups. You can find me at B3 Pro Attitudes on Instagram and Facebook. I do a Facebook live every week at one o'clock cool. to give you a little taste of living the B3 way. I have a fake private face group there. And because I'm the chief gratitude officer for Pro Attitudes, I have a daily gratitude uh, Facebook group also that's private, but people can ask to join. Anyone can join. If they want to. And I can provide you with all those links. I also write daily on LinkedIn because I'm targeting CEOs, VPs, and senior executives because I can relate. I was in senior leadership uh, working in corporate America in sales management, then senior leadership. It was an experience that I loved, but it's That's sucks, exactly. it sucks the joy. It's the, yeah, it's a monster. <laughs> And, but it doesn't have to be. I think that, you know, Simon Sinek, I, I, I love Simon Sinek because he talks about starting with why. But I was pulling out my stuff that I worked on over 30 years ago. And I had a quote in it from when I was working in a wellness company. And it was, we start with your why. So I say to people, I'm the Simon Sinek of nutrition. <laughs> I like it. Y'all connect with Evan. Go to the at, go to the website at proattitudes.com. Hit him up on the Facebook. Follow him on LinkedIn. Buy the book. All you got to do is type in the name. The search results the top uh, will pop out. Buy the book. Reach out to Evan. I did what you do. It starts with attitude. Attitude is gratitude. And connect and live your best life with one choice at a time. I want to appreciate my guests. I want to appreciate everybody that watched this. Look, subscribe, YouTube, CV Space K, Instagram, CVMK33, and on the business page of CVMK underscore global. And you know where to buy the stuff, CVMKglobal.store. I look forward to connecting with you. And until next time, guys, thanks.